Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Alceo de Sena was an impactful figure in the art world of the early 1900s because he created forged masterpieces capable of fooling even the most expert of experts. Critics attributed his works to artists including Simone Martini and Donatello, among other famous artists in history, and his sculptures were sold through dealers and purchased by museums and collectors. But in an unexpected turn of events, the forger sued his dealers. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. From childhood, according to a biography written by his son, Alceo had a passion for art and he learned to paint and sculpt initially as a self-taught artist. He entered the trade school, Istituto Professional alla Ponzone Cimino, at the age of 12, only to be expelled a year later. Though the reason is vague and depends on what version of his life story you happen to read, a school report states that he had, quote, all the characteristics of an enfant terrible. It's after his expulsion when he began an apprenticeship in the Milan workshop of Alessandro Monti, where he restored art and fixed marble and wooden fittings in churches throughout northern Italy. Alceo never became a master restorer, though, and saw the work he did as a way to support his wife and son, and to pay for materials to sculpt in his free time. He didn't start out as a forger. It's believed he became one when facing dire financial circumstances during the First World War. Experts believe his first forgery of an ancient work dates to 1916, when he produced A Madonna and Child. By most accounts, this is also the time when Alceo met a man named Alberto Fasoli. The two men met in 1916, it's said, while Alceo, a soldier, was on leave for Christmas. He was carrying with him a small bas-relief, that Madonna and Child, which he had sculpted in terracotta and patinaed in... Okay, 
in an army urinal. Yes, let's get this out of the way. One of Alcheo's early methods of aging a piece was to place it in urine. He felt that this gave a credible antique look to his sculptures. That technique became way more advanced over the years, and experts today still marvel at his method for aging marble. Alcheo, though, always declined to reveal his exact formula. Anyway, there are a few versions of how Alceo met Fazoli. Here is just one, the common one. Alceo stopped for a drink while in Rome, and, seeking a little cash, he offered his artwork to the proprietor. The proprietor called for Alberto Fazoli, a neighbor who was a wealthy jeweler and art dealer. Fasoli, it said, thought that Alceo surely must have stolen the statue from a church. Regardless of what he imagined its provenance was, he bought it for a hundred lira. Eventually, though, upon closer inspection, he realized that the work he'd purchased was not ancient, although he'd believed it was when he bought it. Instead of having Alceo arrested, he proposed a partnership. He would arrange, along with his colleague Alfredo Palesi, to set up a studio for Alceo, and the two men would sell his art. Alceo took the deal and settled into life in Rome in 1918, and there he spent 10 years as a successful forger of classical and Renaissance art. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll talk about one of Justina's most famous forgeries. for a sec. Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect 
And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about how and why Alceo decided to sue his partners. Alceo had plenty of work between 1918 and 1928, primarily interpretations of marble works from the ancient world through the Italian Renaissance. If requested, he was also able to create imitation Etruscan and Greek sculptures. Scholar Federica Gostaldello wrote that Alceo was, quote, an artist capable of a high-profile production not necessarily anchored in the activity of forgery, supported by a linguistic variety and a divulgative intent still to be studied with due attention. Fasoli and Palessi together decided what might be marketable and or profitable through their network of middlemen, some of whom were crooked and some of whom were just gullible. And they made suggestions to Alceo about what subjects and models might sell best. He didn't choose what he made, but he had a monthly salary. Fasoli and Palesi marketed his works as genuine, for which Alceo received commissions. It's in this time of his life when Alceo became a truly masterful forger, and it's when he became known in Italian art circles as the maker of Renaissance fakes. Helen Clay Frick, daughter of steel magnate Henry Clay Frick, was a wealthy American collector and the founder of the Frick Collection. In 1924, she purchased a piece called The Annunciation, attributed to one of the greatest medieval artists, Simone Martini. A Sienese master of the early 14th century, Martini was famous for an Annunciation piece housed in the Uffizi Gallery, and Frick wanted a Martini piece in her family's museum, too. The work depicted a pair of life-size marble statues that represented an announcing angel, Gabriel, and an announcing virgin, the Madonna. Not only are they carved in the style of Martini, they were created to appear as if they had once been mounted on a Renaissance church. The attribution seemed correct. At least it was corroborated by the initials SM located on the base of the angel sculpture and the date 1316 inscribed on the Madonna sculpture. Collector and art historian Frederick Mason Perkins vouched for the attribution. The piece was described by Frick's European agents as, quote, absolutely wonderful and unbelievably rare. The Annunciation had come to Frick's attention through an art dealer named Ilia Volpi, and in addition to Perkins, two scholars, Charles Lesser and Giacomo de Nicola, had also evaluated the work as a genuine Simone Martini. 
While we've seen a few different figures, experts estimate that Helen Frick paid roughly $2 million in today's dollars for it. In March of 1924, the fake martini arrived in New York, and soon after, Frick's new acquisition began to crack. Scholars, historians, and collectors began to express doubts about the provenance and attribution of the piece, and the heat got so intense that Frick called for additional opinions on the work. German art historian and museum curator Wilhelm von Bode noted that it was problematic that there was an absence of information about any such sculpture by Simone Martini. But he also noted in a letter to Volpi that, quote, the anatomy, the folds, the expression, everything is Simone's art. Both Volpi and Perkins brushed off any suspicions as hearsay. But that wasn't enough to convince Frick, who in 1925 had the statues examined by a commission of experts. In the fall of that year, she got their response. The martini in question was determined a forgery. It was the lack of credibility of the way the date had been affixed and the, quote, general effect elicited by the two statues that were determining factors. By November of 1928, it was determined the two statues were actually attributed to an Italian artist named Alceo Dosena. Fasoli and Palessi had a career of defrauding collectors and had begun to defraud museums such as the Frick Collection. The Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, for instance, purchased a funerary monument of a 15th-century noblewoman named Maria Caterina Savelli, which the pair had passed off as an original work by Mino da Fiesole. The list of known institutions and people tricked by their scam also included the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, the Museums of Cleveland and Detroit, Berlin's Kaiser Friedrich Museum, and art dealers George Joseph DeMott and the Durlocker brothers. In a 1931 interview with the New York Times, Frick trustee J. Horace Harding said of Alceo, quote, Dosena deserves to be recognized as one of the greatest sculptors the world has known. In my opinion, his sculptures, which have found their way into American collections, are treasures that are cheap at any price. Alceo wasn't the type of forger who directly imitated works of art. Of his work, he has said, quote, I invented in the manner of the great masters, but I always invented. Alceo had a simple explanation for the art and the forgeries he created, stating, quote, Even as a boy in the industrial art school at Cremona, I grew to be perfectly familiar with the various styles of the past. I could not assimilate them in any other way. As their deal stated, Alceo crafted forgeries, and Fasoli, well, he was busy using his connections to sell Alceo's works for a small fortune. But it turned out he was only giving a sliver of the profits to his forger. For instance, one of Alceo's works sold as a Donatello for an estimated five figures. Another, his Athena piece, fetched his partner's six figures, of which Alceo's profit share was only about 5%. He estimated that over a period of eight years, his art had been sold as original antiquities to museums and collectors for well over an equivalent of a million U.S. dollars, which is more than 30 times what he was paid. And on that bombshell, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. When we're back, we'll talk about Alceo's decision 
to sue his partners. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the lawsuit and the trial. The forger versus the shady art dealers. The consensus among experts in the art community is that Alceo probably could have just kept forging away, making a living creating Madonna sculptures in the 14th century Tuscan school style. But roughly 10 years into their deal, in 1928, Alceo filed a complaint before a magistrate and faced Fazzoli and Palessi in court for damages. His claim was that he was getting shorted in the profits between him and his business partners. He had discovered a history of financial deceit. His most recent piece, for instance, Fazzoli and Palessi sold for nearly 4 million lira, of which he was personally paid only about 20000 To the court, he claimed he had no idea what the dealers had been doing with his works, to whom they'd been sold and for how much, and that he was not involved in selling the art. The case was challenged by art collectors and connoisseurs, mainly because 
they didn't want to admit that Alcheo's works were fakes and that they had been duped. In court, Alcheo needed to prove the masterful works were his forgeries and that they were sold as genuine without his knowledge and consent by Fasoli and Palesi. According to Alcheo's statements, Fasoli allegedly told him that a Renaissance-style church was being built in the United States, and it needed to be appropriately decorated with sculptures similar to those made in the 15th century. True or not, it was his story. He argued he had done nothing illegal, as he'd only created art in the styles of the masters, and had not created replications of any specific works. It was Fasoli, he said, who was the dealer who'd sold them under false pretenses. It might be hard to guess which way a court will side, right? With a forger or with the dealer who sold the forgeries. Alcheo was never charged with a crime. We found just one account of the trial that suggested Fasoli countersued, but even in that version, since they were not created with the intention to deceive, and none of Docena's work was the style of any one specific Renaissance sculptor, the court cleared Alcheo of any wrongdoing. Most accounts suggest he was awarded damages, but that he never actually received any money from Fasoli. In the press and in public opinion, Alceo was believed to have been a victim of Fasoli and Palesi. As a consequence of the trial, some things had changed in Alceo's work. Two big things. He could now claim his work as his own and sign it, And he could also receive commissions, both public commissions and those for private collectors. Shortly after his positive outcome in the trial, he was quoted in newspapers saying that his sculptures, quote, really deserve to be prized as highly as those of Donatello, Verrocchio, Vecchietta, or Da Fiesole. An interesting thing about Alceo, nope, not his modesty, Uh, is that he never pretended his work was a counterfeit of the masters. Instead, he imagined that he was their peer. Between 1929 and 1931, Alceo saw his work exhibited under his own name in Paris, Berlin, and Vienna. His work was shown at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London as well. Removed from the support of his dealers, Critics were quick to point out that his work seemed to have deteriorated. Oscar B., German archaeologist, art historian, and professor, wrote about Alceo's exhibit at the Berlin Hall of Art in 1930, stating, quote, The faker, Docena, is finished, but the artist Docena does not appear. An entire room was briefly devoted to displaying his antiquities at the Met, too, but was also critically unsuccessful. On March 9, 1933, National Art Galleries organized a public auction in the ballroom of New York's Plaza Hotel. An essay penned by the editor of Art News, Alfred Frankfurter, paid tribute to the, quote, quality of sincerity in Docena, the almost incredible ability of the man to have worked without affectation and without malevolence in the spirit of the dead past and its masters. Frankfurter believed that it was that that made Alceo's work, quote, as valuable to the collector and museum for artistic achievement as for scientific documentation. The 39 pieces at the plaza sold in total for only $9,000, with the highest price paid $675 for a marble relief of the Madonna and Child in the style of da Fiesola. 
A few years later, in 1937, critic Adolf Donath was also dismissive of Alceo's art in his book, How Forgers Work, when he wrote, quote, Docena's work leaves us unmoved. Alceo once said of himself, quote, I was born in our time, but with the spirit, taste, and perception of times gone by. He died on October 11, 1937, from a stroke at the age of 55. To view his work today, in person, the two sculptures of Annunciation purchased by Helen Frick are on permanent display in the Frick Fine Arts Building at the University of Pittsburgh. Some museums and collectors have since disposed of his works, but there are many others still in existence, though a lot of them are hidden. The idea that he truly believed he was, like, on the level of old masters. He clearly was that good as an artist, but I don't know, there's a thing. I feel like his story and how once he was able to be himself as an artist and it didn't go that well actually says more about our perceptions of the importance of time in relation to history and art. It is interesting that some of the the people we've encountered so far this season are on trial once, twice, multiple times, and others are just not. It's just fine. It's fine. Yeah. He didn't. He, he wasn't doing it. It's fine. Would you like a bogus bevy with I me? I absolutely would. What do you have for us today? I think you're going to like this one. Okay, so I was thinking about drinks that are associated with the time period of his life and when he was forging. And one of them that came to mind, and one that several of my friends really love, is a sidecar. (laughs) Oh, a sidecar. You know, a yummy cognac Uh and Cointreau situation. And so I thought it would be fun to do something that looked like that. And also, listen, I'm not going to lie. I fixated on the urine. (laughs) Hey, if it stands out, it stands out. (laughs) I'm calling this one aging technique. It's dark like a sidecar. It's It doesn't look like pee. If someone's urine looks like this, go see a doctor immediately. You're deeply dehydrated and possibly have something else going on. But this one is very much a Maria drink. It is. An ounce and a half of bourbon or whiskey, your choice, drinker's choice on this. You could even do a rye. It's going to be different, but I did bourbon. A half ounce of amaretto. This is together a drink that some people make anyway. But then I also added... A quarter ounce of Benedictine. Hey, that was unexpected. (laughs) I know, right? Benedictine is a spirit that is made by Benedictine monks. It's one of those. It's been made by this with the same recipe for like several hundred years. It has like 27 different herbal notes in it. It's very complex. And I kind of was thinking of associating this with this idea of making a thing seem more complex or older or that it had a history in an easy way. So it's easy to just plop a quarter ounce of Benedictine into your drink and suddenly it has like a much fuller body and it tastes like something different. And there are a million notes in it all of a sudden that really play pretty interestingly with your bourbon, especially. It's like the sweetness of the amaretto gives it a nice grounding and then the Benedictine kind of lets all of those weird notes play out. So it's going to be very different depending on what your bourbon or whiskey of choice is. This is all that's in this drink, so it is a heavy hitter. (laughs) Yes, it is. Wow. (laughs) You're going to shake all this. You're going to put it into a pre-chilled, like a mini coupe is great. 
and then you are ready to sip. Obviously, this is the kind of thing you have one of in anything, (laughs) maybe two if it's a long night of chatting with friends, but don't drink a lot of these. Because, you know, that thing happens when you're drinking a very spirit-forward drink where, like, initially you're like, whoa, this tastes so strong. I can't drink very much of this. And then, like, about six sips in, you're like, I want another of these, and then you get into (laughs) trouble. So don't do that. Be careful. Drink responsibly. But that is called aging technique. If you drink too many, it might age you prematurely. Might age the terracotta, you never know. <laughs> it might age, it would age terracotta, I'm pretty sure. This is his secret, his secret recipe he never shared. If you would like to make the mocktail version, this gets rather tricky in a hurry because this is all alcohol. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to do an ounce and a half of a very strongly brewed black tea. We're going to do a half ounce of an orja or other almond liqueur. And then here is what I want you to do. You have to make your own simple, but also you're going to add, here's what I made mine with. And it came out very interesting, but this is another to your taste situation. I added Herbe de Provence, which is a French blend of herbs. Some people find it to be a bit bitter, and it does have some bite to it. You use it in cooking all the time, so you can find it at the grocery store. Add a little bit of that. I also added just like a kiss of nutmeg and a little bit of cardamom to give it just a little more smoothness. And so I let all of that simmer in my simple for a minute. I say a minute. It was like five to ten minutes. And then I turned it off, let it cool, and I strained it out. This made a very interesting syrup that I now want to play with in all the cocktails. I personally love Herbs Provence. So when you brought it up and you were making your syrup out of it, I'm like, what else could I do with that syrup? Everything. You can do all the things. (laughs) If you're someone like Maria that loves Herbes de Provence, just three quarters of an ounce to an ounce of that with club soda or sparkling water is a really refreshing, a little bit bitter at times, but can be very refreshing if that is a flavor you love. Great little drink on its own. (laughs) (laughs) That is the aging technique. It looks like a sidecar, does not taste like one at all. (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, it does not taste like when you stop. (laughs) To the best of our knowledge, it does not taste like pee. Um, (laughs) Please don't drink things you shouldn't drink. (laughs) Don't drink too much of things that you maybe even should drink. Everybody be careful what you drink. Just take care of you. And drink water, even though we all don't like it. Even though we all hate it. Some people love it. I know people love it. I'm just not in that lives. I'm forever trying to make myself love it. We're trying. We will be right back here again next week to tell you another story and talk about another cocktail. And we can't wait to do it with you. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. 
Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.